What is going on, my fellow geeks, and welcome back to Raving Geeks. I do have a media recommendation. I love Lord of the Rings. Superheroes, movies, a little jack-of-all-trades, I guess. So what makes me a geek? What is going on, my fellow geeks, and welcome back to Raving Geeks, the weekly pop culture podcast from Central Michigan Life, where we discuss all things geek culture, which is like high culture, but better. If this is your first time joining us, make sure you follow the CM Life Instagram and Twitter pages for updates on the podcast, and to look for us wherever you find your podcasts, including YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on our website, www.cm-life.com. My name is Brennan Valentine, and I'd like to thank you all for joining me and my fellow geeks this week, who will introduce themselves in a second with our question of the week. This week's question is, what is your favorite theatrical production? Um... To start it off, I'd just like to say that in high school, I wrote a 20-page paper on how I would direct the uh, the theatrical production of The Glass Menagerie. So I'm obligated Ooh. to say that that is my favorite yeah. theatrical production. Um, Tennessee Williams is one of my favorite, um, I guess, authors in general, but also like uh, screenplay writers. Um, Streetcar Named Desire is one of the few uh, live like live plays I've seen, and I really, really enjoy it. And I did a lot of analyzing of that in high school as well. But Glass Menagerie, I think, goes above and beyond. On like, it's very minimalist, but if you there's a lot in it, and I like find I, don't know, I just think it's really cool. Um, one of our other hosts, what do you think? Um, all right, uh, Isaac Hunter here. Um, also, I do like the Glass Menagerie. Um, only four actors, I think, in the whole thing too. Yeah, uh, four characters thing like like i said minimalist but like like incredible story yeah definitely um so i i had to think long and hard i i have a history of theater and i didn't want to be like i was in this one so that's my no that sounds like what you just did oh no <laughs> um so uh and i even looked like i looked at all the big names and productions but i think what i love is um uh there's a theater production called team star kid which i'm sure you may have heard of they Darren Chris got his start there. Uh, a very Potter musical, all that stuff. And I think uh, my favorite theatrical production is they do a play called a musical called Starship, which is based on based on Starship Troopers. And so it's like about a bug and like space rangers. And he just wants to be one of them, but they think he's disgusting and it's beautiful. Okay. Uh, hi, everyone. I am Hope Goodall. Um I will brag and say that I've seen a lot of theater because I get to go see musicals and plays for free at the Opera House, Detroit Opera House and at uh, the Detroit Fisher. Um, I do have to put in a little bit of work. Uh, at the Fisher, my main job is guarding the stairs that lead to the backstage door. Um, a good job, uh, honorable. Yeah, I just get to stand around and tell people, oh, yeah, the bathroom is, you know, women's is either upstairs one floor or, you know, downstairs. Yeah. Um, but and then at the opera house, I usually tell people where they're sitting. Um, but so, see, I'm torn between two different ones because I absolutely love the music for West Side Story. But I love the puppetry and the storytelling of War Horse. Because when I saw War Horse for Christmas one year, I literally thought that the horses were real. 
not that there were people underneath these giant puppets. So, um, which also goes into Lion King. But yeah, I would say either War Horse or uh, West Side Story are my favorites. Sounds great. All right, thank you very much, uh, Isaac and Hope. Uh, now to get things started with uh, the business end of the podcast. Uh, very, very official tonight. Uh, we're going to start off with our geek news. Um, Hope, do you have any, anything for us? So I don't have as much as last week. Um, but... <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you always go above and beyond with news. So, like, you, you can Honestly, take a week off. I'm just, I follow a lot of nerd accounts on, like, social media. So, yeah. Um, but... The one thing I saw is that Tim Burton, um, his Adams Family is coming out on Netflix as a TV series specifically about Wednesday Adams. So that has been picked up. It is going to happen and I'm really excited. Um, and I'm kind of waiting to see if like Johnny Depp is getting a role in it because there were rumors that if Tim Burton was doing an Adams Family reboot of sorts, that um, Johnny Depp would be in it. And so I'm looking forward to see if that happens and also just to see what they do with Wednesday Adams in a TV series. Interesting. Uh, that's, it, I, I, I just, like, I saw a, po a picture for it and it's just like her silhouette with like a knife, I think. Uh, the one that I saw was like the Wednesday Adams from the live action movie from a few years ago. So Wednesday Adams goes to real school and kills people. Yeah. Good old, good old Christina <laughs> Ritchie. Um, no, that it sounds super exciting, and I think Johnny Depp could definitely he there's he could play anyone in Adams Family. It, also, he and Tim Burton have like that like working professional relationship, but like amidst Depp's like um, you know everything with uh, his marriage going on. I don't, like, yeah. Tim Burton would be, like, if anyone's going to stand by him and offer him work, it'd be Tim Burton. Yes. Well, also, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer, who was, like, the lead person for the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, said that if Disney gave him the go-ahead to make another Pirates movie, that he would rehire Johnny Depp instantly. Otherwise, he wouldn't do it. And I was like, I love you, because also Jack Sparrow um, is my favorite character. Um, but, yeah. So I think between Tim Burton and Jerry Bruckheimer, which I don't know if either of you have seen the meme, meme-ish thing of um, people saying that Tim Burton ships his wife, Helena Botna Carter, yeah. with Johnny Depp because they're cast in so many like media things as like lovers or like partners and stuff. So yeah, as a kid, I thought they were together for the longest time. Wait, um, that just reminded me, my favorite like, Helena Bonham Carter related like joke is like everyone on the cast like everyone in the cast of like Harry Potter they're like oh do you have a crush on anyone while filming and they're all like Emma Watson and then they ask Emma Watson and Emma Watson's like oh Tom Felton then Tom Felton's like Helena Bonham Carter yep. <laughs> it's just like oh okay yep uh, a man after my own heart yes. um all right I'll go next for news um well I just found this out <laughs> Like an uh, hour ago. <laughs> like an, you're being generous. Um, um, listen. When you think of the the best Cartoon Network TV show to ever exist, one title comes to mind, and that is Total Drama Island. Oh my God. No argument, of course. Oh um, 
it's more real than reality TV shows. Well, it just got renewed for two new seasons. Mm-hmm. A new cast full of exciting new characters. I don't know if Chef's still going to be there, but he better. Um, oh, yeah, no, it, it confirmed it. Chef and, uh, um, crap, what's the host's name? Chris. Is it Chris? No. Last name is McLean. Yeah. Uh, he's just a stereotype of all handsome hosts basically i'm excited and uh hopefully my favorite character will uh when i get a favorite character uh they'll win unlike my boy cody who uh got mauled by a bear in the original and then did not got voted off um rough one to root for all right (laughs) yeah all right on to you brendan thank you uh, for Geek News, I got some trailers that dropped this week. I know Hope mentioned it last week, cause it ha- but it hadn't come out yet. Uh, but we did officially get the Zack Snyder's Justice League trailer. And oh my gosh. Um, I was expecting like, oh, you, you we're going to get like mostly like old footage mixed in with some new to recontextualize. This was like 70, 80% brand new footage um, for with characters we haven't seen. Spoiler alert, like if, if you haven't watched it, go watch it, come back. Uh, we get to see like live action Darkseid confirmed jared letters jared letters joker makes an appearance in this it looks awesome we get to see more flash we get to see more cyborg uh confirmed um i didn't see as much new aquaman footage uh but he did get his own movie so um (laughs) that's fair um also on the movie trailer front um the mortal Kombat movie trailer was as of today was officially released and it looks just as brutal as the games um but it looks a little more trailer released before the regular trailer for that i i don't know the one i watched could have been a red band trailer because that was pretty brutal um (laughs) the scene that's sticking with me is where sub-zero stabs scorpion freezes the blood that comes out and then stabs him again with Mm. it (laughs) i was like oh my gosh that's that's intense but also that's the most mortal combat thing i've ever seen and i'm I'm, it comes out on april 16th hbo max and in theaters and i was like wow that's fast like i just heard about this movie happening a few months ago and now it's already like coming out in like a month and a half and i'm uh, like to bring up hbo uh we would love for you to sponsor again hbo max if you sponsor us so we can you know get subscriptions because for some reason every dc property is going to hbo max and i don't (laughs) have hbo max yet so um and then uh, normally I like to stay positive in the news section, but I got to go on a small rant. Um, in other news, uh, Martin Scorsese uh, came out and said this week uh, that streaming services are ruining the film industry. And um, because it's turning like the art of film into just content, if I'm paraphrasing his quote. Um, and again, I like to be positive. I don't mean to hate. But I really do not like Martin Scorsese. I don't think he's that good of a director. I don't think he's that like a, this creative genius that a lot of people write him out to be. Every film I've seen of his is like relatively mediocre in my eyes. Didn't care for Wolf of Wall Street. Didn't care for The Aviator. Not a big fan of Goodfellas. Never watched The Irishman because at that point I was boycotting Martin Scorsese for saying that Marvel movies are not cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that point on, I've realized he's a film gatekeeper. Um, and that it's, it's one thing to criticize the Marvel movies. I can get it. Like, it's not everyone's cup of tea. It's a lot of action, a lot of violence. They like rely on some tropes that are not, not a lot of people like want. They want something like deeper, more subtle. The Marvel movies are usually pretty in your face. 
it's one thing to like say that it's another thing to say this isn't movies like this isn't how i understand movies to be and it shouldn't be this popular and that's what i feel like he's coming out and saying with all this stuff and i feel like it's just showing that he can't adapt to a new film world just because streaming is like streaming is the next step for movies and tv like within the pandemic that's become abundantly clear it's not going away once the pandemic goes away like we're not going back to dvds to watch our movies um as much as i love the movie theater um if i can stream something yeah yeah we're not going back to vhs (laughs) we're not going to like watch it like on on film itself and i just like his comments are just saying like I don't like the way film's going and he's not like, it's one thing to provide criticism and say, well, it's reducing it to content. So make it more special. Like here's how I would do it if we're releasing. Um, And the really hypocritical thing I found out that found about that is the Irishman is like, was the big Netflix thing for a while. Like it was on like the streaming service, Netflix. So I'm like this news. I like, I paced around my room for 15 minutes yesterday, just fuming when I found this out. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to, talk about it on the podcast because um again if you like martin scorsese i have a slight theory about why he doesn't like streaming he probably doesn't make as much money as he does with ticket sales and everything that's fair he's probably like give me my money and they're like no it's a streaming service you get what we put in your contract and he's like what but so Mm -hmm. and this is not to say that like you can't like martin scorsese films like Mm -hmm. obviously like some people don't like Marvel movies. I love Marvel movies. I'm not a huge fan of Martin Scorsese films. If you like them, more power to you. Um, if you like him and like his creative genius, I am not by any means an expert film critic. So I can't like piece that apart. I just feel like with these like really strong opinions that are kind of like, to me, counterproductive because like their directions of popularity in film and it feels like it's he's just trying to be a hipster and say no this isn't good but isn't offering like an alternative he's not offering a place for film to grow and is just saying i don't like this let's change it yeah and i mean you said it for what it was he, he's being a gatekeeper right now and um also like what an odd time to speak against streaming when most people can't go to movie theaters exactly like that's all we got yep. it, it's the safest easiest way to consume stuff right now um so anyway i will get off my soapbox on that you reminded me with your trailers the cruella trailer dropped with emma stone oh wait really Uh, i hadn't seen it yet yeah it it dropped a couple uh yesterday or the day before um a couple days ago and uh because i was seeing a lot of like the different versions of cruella from like the animated to uh the first live action to now the cruella movie so i haven't watched yet it's on my youtube watch later Thing that has like 600 videos but you know nice. i'll watch it all right and then quick real quick um we have to address the elephant in the room before we move on to our main topic um wandavision has been officially confirmed as the globally most popular show uh in most popular show in the world right now everyone's talking about it everyone's theorizing um we just want to give our real quick hot takes on the show um i guess i, I can start with WandaVision theories. Um, My main thing, I also have not seen anyone else like on TikTok, Instagram, or Twitter say anything remotely close to what I think is going to happen in the MCU because of WandaVision. So as of spoilers for WandaVision for the next five to 10 minutes, if if you're not caught up or not interested, you know, you can fast forward or you can like go watch it. Um, But major spoilers for what we're about to talk about. Um, But 
my theory. Um, when Darcy was decoding all of the files from Hayward, the, very specifically, it's called Project Cataract. And then in quotes, it said four eyes only. Um, also, every time we've seen Dead Vision and Dead Pietro, very clearly there, there's something up with their eyes. There's a lot of like eye specific imagery in like WandaVision that's, it's not like saturating it, but I've noticed kind of like a pattern. Um, and the eye related imagery, like you know, if I see it like in the real world, I think, oh, the Illuminati. But in Marvel Comics, there actually is an the Illuminati. Illuminati. Ah! The Illuminati made up of like diff different like superhero leaders from different like sects of um, you know the Marvel Universe. You've got your Avengers with uh, Doctor Strange and um, Tony Stark. You've got your Fantastic Four, Reed Richards, uh, Inhumans, uh, Black Bolt, X-Men, Charles Xavier. Namor's in there. Um, there's a lot. However, I don't think it's going to be the comic accurate Illuminati that they're bringing in. I think Hayward having that file in it for saying for eyes only, like eyes being like the members of the Illuminati. Um, in the five years between the snap and the blip, there was like a, a decrease in, not necessarily a decrease in national security, but we lost a lot of our heroes. And I think like to fill the void, like something besides just sword and like something relating all of this in terms of global national security popped up maybe the illuminati maybe tony stark was involved for a little while like this is a five-year gap we're talking about and i think that's why they were experimenting on vision um and had his body is like this is a we're trying to prevent another thanos level threat um so sword has that there's probably in like falcon and the winter soldier whatever like government agencies involved in that there's probably going to be agents in there um, but I think this is going to be a parallel to like the Dark Avengers, where like we'll probably have like Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, Hayward, um, mm -hmm. any any of these other leaders. Maybe heck, even like an Avenger in there that agrees, like Hawkeye or Doctor Strange, something like that. And this Illuminati like esque thing is really upset with the people that got blipped back and like fought in you know the the battle at the end of Endgame because they're like you were gone for five years. We don't know if we can trust you. You're really powerful. You're like Thanos level powerful and we've spent five years trying to prevent that. And I don't think we can trust you. And I think that's phase four is going to come to a head. And I think they have evidence, you know, to, for that argument with what's happening in WandaVision. That's my theory. I like it. I like anta antagonistic Illuminati, which would be a great like villain. In the comics, they're not like protagonists. Like yeah. they're like, we have to do what is necessary. And I feel like you can turn that very easily into a villain perspective so that's my pitch i love it and it makes sense and Hayward, it does it yeah it, it just i'm like i can't believe i'm the only one as far as i know that's thought of it if anyone else has thought about it put it in the comments i'll, I'll credit you go for it and also hayward is that guy sucks sketchy <laughs> yeah <laughs> can we talk about how, like sword and shield people in charge are just terrible because like when nick fury died and we got what's his name pierce pierce yeah, yeah. getting major pierce vibes from the sword dude like also like how, why did they like sword and shield like i'm getting i every time i think of it like i'm the mcu's gotta have like pokemon pokemon sword and shield like really that's not like a branding thing nintendo didn't have an issue with that <laughs> Okay, to be fair, though, Marvel was around Sword and Shield are like, yes. Pokemon. <laughs> but I don't the, know, it's the, 
the anagram has been like changing over the years, like what sword stands for. Um, mm-hmm. It's different in one division than it normally is in comics. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, uh, I mean, most of my theory, I'm kind of just on a, the the theory bandwagon with a lot of other people, which is like, yeah, Mephisto is going to be involved. Like, and whether or not he's involved in just this show or or even further shows, since it you see a, a like a shot in um the loki trailer where they're in front of like a stained glass window but instead of like almost where it would normally be like an angel or god or jesus it's like a devil which is kind of like is mephisto going to be a big bad for like phase four i don't know kang the conqueror perhaps um agnes is a witch most likely agnes uh harkness from the comics agatha harkness thank you uh she's evil I don't think I don't necessarily think she's evil because comics Agatha Harkness like well mm-hmm. yes she's like not a hero or protagonist she did teach Wanda how to use her magic in the comics so I could see her as like a either whether she's working with the big bad or like just happened to be there is like kind of guiding Wanda maybe not in the right direction but in a direction that's not going to get people killed mm-hmm. all right and then I guess my theory uh which I've seen other people talk about is like I don't even know if it's a big theory um, is just that I think that Wanda like, cause this is obviously going to lead right into multiverse of madness, mm-hmm. possibly with this ending with almost like it not having a good ending with like Wanda opening up the multiverse and then almost being like possessed or evil. And so like Dr. Strange has to stop her in his movie um, or maybe what happened at the end of ex- episode six, you know, she expands the border. Maybe that goes global. And then, which, as you know, uh, when you go through it, it rearranges your molecules and then something changes. And uh, Mariah, no, wait, Maria Rambo? No. Monica? Monica, Monica. Rambo. Maria's her, her daughter. Uh, she's gone through so many times that when they looked at her scan, it was all glowing. She's also the superhero photon in the comics. Um, And also hypothetically, if Wanda spreads her thing big enough and it hits enough people, maybe if you have a certain cellular structure, something happens to you where it activates an ability and that's how they get mutants into the world. I mean, I I love the, I love the X-Men into the MCU theory. Yes. It's been, I was going to say, I have had to tell so many people. I was like, did you catch the X-Men reference? They're like, no. I was like, Pietro, really? <laughs> come on. <laughs> I had to tell my dad. I had to tell my brother-in-law. I had to tell my roommate. I was like, guys, come on. And they're like, my dad has seen it, but it's been a while. So he was like, oh, yeah. My brother-in-law and my roommate have not seen the new X-Men movies. And I'm like, y'all, get on this train. Yeah. I mean, you don't really have to watch, uh, you know, all of them but anyone that has a cool slow motion quicksilver scene with cool (laughs) music in the background you mean the movie where my favorite character dies wait is it is it days of future past or apocalypse apocalypse that that your favorite character dies or that um wait i'm thinking havoc uh, oh yeah 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 yeah. Sorry, we can have a whole episode about how I thought that was a ridiculous way to die. Where he like was just closest to the explosion. Spoiler alert. He was closest to the explosion. X-Men movies are old. 
And then Quicksilver like didn't know he was there because he was already engulfed. Ridiculous. That was just their way to get Lucas Till off so he could go be MacGyver. It's fine. Yeah. I can have my Angus MacGyver. It's fine. He was in what? Monster Truck was the next movie he was in? Yes. It was Wait, a long what? <laughs> yeah. He meets like alien monsters and they can like, they go inside like trucks and cars and like power the I cars. remember that movie. So, that was Lucas Till. <laughs> yes. If you're asking a celebrity crush of mine, Lucas Till is at the top. Um, has been since Hannah Montana, the movie. Mm. He was the cowboy. Um, so yeah, my theory. Um, so I do think that Agnes is um, evil um, for multiple different reasons. I have seen different pictures and then all of a sudden I go, dang it, why didn't I notice that? Um, but one that I would like to bring up is someone put these two screen captures together of um, when Vision um, does the whole glowy fingers to the hand thing on Norm and Norm's like, you have to stop her. She's in my head. But then, mm -hmm. but then when he goes around on Halloween and he's in that part of town where like nobody's moving and nobody will talk to him, Agnes is the only one talking to him. And then he does the whole glowy finger thing and she's like, no one leaves. Wanda specifically stating Wanda won't even let us think about it. And then, you know, talks about how she got after he does the whole thing and gets her back and to her character, whatever. But also the fact that like in the 90s version episode, uh, when Tommy or yeah, Tommy and Billy are uh, deciding to grow up faster so that they can have a dog and everything. Um, so she is like, wait, do you want me to do that line again? Do I need to redo this scene? Mm -hmm. So she is definitely- She's definitely the most self-aware. Yes. And then she doesn't even notice when the boys age from babies to five-year-olds. She doesn't notice when they age from five-year-olds to 10-year-olds. Which then, was hilarious. That joke, like, he's like, you can't have one until you're 10. And they're like- hey, we got what? you. <laughs> um, and then also during that episode, when Sparky- dies like i was like are we sure that she's not trying to like trick him because she was also very quick on bringing over a little doghouse and everything for sparky and i was like that doesn't seem right she's getting more involved in the episodes so i've been sitting here going no she has something to do with it and then like not knowing full comic characters like the actual comics you know, I'm just seeing stuff and I'm like, I feel like she could be very closely related to Mephisto. Um, and They're married in the comics, kind of. Yeah. Um, but also, I saw something and then I was trying to like confirm it and I couldn't find anything that confirmed it. But um, if anyone can confirm this, comment on us and that would be great. Um there was apparently a creator, whether it was like illustrator or writer of the Mephisto comics, like a specifically like four of them, like a little series, um, whose name was Ralph. And I want to say it was Machio, but like when I looked it up, I got the Karate Kid dude. Um, yeah, that's who he is. <laughs> you said that before and I'm like, Ralph Machio, that's not a comic book character. That's like yeah. a real person. 
that yeah so like i said i don't know how accurate if i'm just not remembering names correctly no, other his than name, ralph. yeah ralph macchio is also an american comic book editor and writer for marvel okay yeah you had uh, it right but so that they were hinting that ralph is because we haven't met ralph yet in wandavision but they were like are they pointing to the creator of mephisto being mephisto um in wandavision um but yeah and also with the whole wanda expanding the barrier thing people are like she's the villain i'm like no like because wanda keeps saying like i'm not the one in charge i didn't create this i think that wanda was just so tired of being depressed and having lost everyone that she loved that she found this place or was put in this place and then she's like oh look i get to have my boyfriend back and now he's my husband so you know what i don't care and i'm just gonna deal with it and i think someone is pushing her buttons to try and get her to do something drastic um because like when Pietro, you your dead husband yeah. can't die twice yeah he did Google. die twice you know <laughs> in yeah. infinity war so he yeah, technically <laughs> three times <laughs> <laughs> because uh Whoops. yeah Thanos kind of did the whole um but so I yeah and also like because I think Brendan or Isaac you guys might have said this at a different time that like um when Wanda loses focus is when we've seen vis- the dead vision and dead Pietro but I'm like she w- I don't think she would lose focus that much to you know see the dead um especially because it takes her just like that much longer to get to have them back to like the normal version or normal um and so i think that there's definitely some like ulterior force that might be involved with shield or shield shield's like non-existent now sword um that because especially how like they were acting when vision was trying to break out of the barrier and then what they did to darcy which if Darcy is not in her two, two broke, broke girls, girls outfit, outfit, I am going to Marvel headquarters and Kevin Feige and I are talking about that because I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know if they'll actually do it, but I think that'd be really funny. Was, or at least a reference. At least a reference. Like she's like in a diner and she's like... She's the waitress in a diner. She doesn't it's, have to it's, have you know, the full cleavage thing, but you know. Mm-hmm. The, um, it's the Modern Family themed episode this week. So same similar era. So mm-hmm. we could get that. All right. So that that's our basic, just quick WandaVision talk. I, f- I felt like it was obligational with how much the show has uh, kind of taken the internet by storm. Um, we will probably do another episode in the future in that um, in-between space between uh, WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier just to like recap season one WandaVision, talk about season two WandaVision and hopes for Falcon and the Winter Soldier season one. Um, however, I look uh, real quick before we get into anything else. I looked at like the release schedule we don't have a week where we don't get new Marvel content this year. Because yeah. Yeah. it goes WandaVision, and then they release on Disney Plus the How They Made WandaVision in that week in between. Then Falcon and the Winter Soldier, How They rele- how they Made Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Black Widow, How You Make Black Widow. Uh, Loki, How You Made Loki. What If, How They Made What If. Hawkeye, or and then, uh, wait, Shang-Chi's in the summer. Mm-hmm. And then it goes... Hawkeye, Eternals, Ms. Marvel, or Ms. Marvel, Hawkeye. It's later in the year, I remember. But, like, 
at least like through November, we've got Marvel stuff every week. Marvel's so. back. Let's go. All righty. Um, speaking of streaming and other like pandemic related stuff, uh, we just wanted to talk about today uh, something that we didn't think would, you know, handle the pandemic too well, but kind of took, I feel like all of us a little bit by surprise and how well this medium uh, kind of adapted to, you know, the, the virtual only realm of entertainment. And that would be um, theater, specifically musical theater. Because like with, with theater, you know, you can do small local productions, you know, you can live stream and stuff. But with like musical theater, it's really about being there with the experience and the acoustics and everything, like really feeling that. Um, but like the pandemic, we've had a couple of like good, good releases. Um, the most notable for me is the TikTok musical Ratatouzical, which I know is not a full-on theatrical production, but I was really impressed with how we crowdsourced that. Um, and I just want to talk about, um, you know, how theater kind of looked pre-pandemic, how it looks now, and what we think it might look like post-pandemic. So, anyone have any burning comments they want to make on this? Mm. Well, okay. So, I will say... Um, being an usher at two major theaters in downtown Detroit gives you a lot of insight into different things. Like you can see what shows might have not done so well versus what shows, you know, are really hype. Um, okay, I'm going to be honest. I'm probably going to brag a lot during this entire episode because Please like, do. theater is... I love it. And I miss it mm. so much. I'm so mad. The theater got canceled. Got my I could Spring not Awakening see. shirt on. Oh my God. I'm so mad that I didn't have my Lion King, my uh, Hamilton, my Lightning Thief. I didn't have any of it. My Wicked shirt is too small and it has been for a few years now. I've like, seen Lion King the musical in person five times. Five times. I've yep. seen it once. And I saw it four years ago. And Zazu saying, let it go to Scar. And it was the I best was at thing that one. ever. <laughs> I, I saw it, and then I saw Lion King Jr. performed by a middle school. What? Nova Middle School did it, like, a couple years ago. Lion King Jr. I did not get to help out with them, though, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah. So, one big thing that I remember growing up around the theater scene was always people being like, oh, you know, with movies, um, and especially, like, with the special effects of movies getting better, theater is going to be dying out. Nobody's going to want theater. And honestly, like it's not dying out at all. Cause I mean, you got things that happen are like legally blonde, the musical. Um, you've got the classics of Chicago, West side story, Phantom of the opera, wicked. Like it's not going to die out anytime soon, unless they stop creating content that people want to see, which I don't see happening because if they're going to turn Percy Jackson into a musical, if people are going to write a four hour long play about Harry Potter, um, if they're going to turn Legally Blonde into a musical, uh, if they're going to turn me. Ratatouille. Musical, yeah. They, Ratatouille should not be a musical, but it worked. <laughs> SpongeBob got turned into a musical, I think. Um, uh, Spider-Man was the biggest uh, flop yeah. of a musical. <laughs> Uh, actually, the sequel to Bye Bye Birdie might have been a bigger flop because it only lasted four days. Um, and it was called Bring Birdie, Bring Back Birdie. Um, I just learned that. Well, I'm talking about money-wise. It was the most expensive oh. Broadway production yet, oh, and it true. totally flopped. That's true. Let me put Barbara Streisand back up. <laughs> um, but 
you know, I got to see Hamilton twice for free. And um, <laughs> hey, if you guys want to usher with me when the theaters open back up, like we're Facebook friends now, just hit me up. <laughs> um, but the, uh, but like Hamilton, it was packed. Mm. Like literally ushers, we were, we were told by our, our head usher, like, you know, you can't sit here. You can only sit here. Like, and there were no seats. Like our general rule is you can't sit directly in front of patrons if there are seats available and you have to have at least like one or two seats between you and a patron. Now we were sitting on the planters, uh, these giant marble planters that I believe are fake plants, but you know, still look pretty and everything um, in the Fisher building. And it's very uncomfortable, but to be able to watch something for free, like I was totally okay with it. I remember when I was younger, seeing Little Women, which got um, re-adapted into a movie a couple of years ago with Emma Watson. That was so packed that me as a littler child, I got really, really hot in the theater and had to finish watching it, watching I basically had to listen to the rest of that play. Um, but even things like, like War Horse, I mean, we got to sit, but the theater was still pretty full. Um, and so honestly, like theater's not dying out anytime soon. And with how much love people have for the classics and for new stuff, like it's, it's not going to die out. Yeah. Like culturally, like theater is like a different vibe than a movie theater. Like yeah. there's, like you go to a movie theater, it's preset, it's pre-planned. You're going to see like if you go see a movie at a theater, you're going to see the same thing every time you go. Um, but with a play, like there's that slight variation. There's like the lighting aspect of like the like there's people behind the scenes making all this stuff work. Um, but like with the pandemic, we can't be there to like see all that happening. So it was like, okay, if we can't be there, is like theater not happening? And then you mentioned seeing Hamilton, and I just wanted to like note that I thought it was a pretty I thought it was a pretty big thing that Hamilton went on Disney Plus. Oh, okay. um, like arguably Hamilton was one of the like biggest musical theater events of the past 10 years. Like it like took the country by storm, like the music and everything. People were like, like if you got tickets to see Hamilton, that was like a subject of envy amongst all of your friends. Um, and now it's on like Disney Plus. So it's like more available to everyone, which I really like um, because like, I feel like there's this like high class like type thing associated with theater. And I feel like it doesn't have to be that way. Um, but also I'm really sorry. You're going to uh, crucify me for this, but um, I didn't really like Hamilton when it first came out. Um, everyone would sing the the songs. Um, people would go like, Oh yeah, it's like a rap musical. And I'm yeah. like, hip hop. Yeah, don't say that. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big rap fan. Um, it's not rap. It's rhyming. It's like, really cool historical poetry but it doesn't have like the cult like that's how i was like thinking in high school and like no one would shut up about it and it made me really annoyed so i never wanted to see it i like hated on like hamilton and lin manuel miranda a lot um yeah okay after <laughs> moana, manuel miranda come on i chilled on the lin manuel miranda hate um but anyway um i told that to my girlfriend on our first date and uh she was like um yeah i'm gonna make you watch hamilton on disney plus now and i'm like okay 
and now, now it's like on our things like list of things to do because like with pandemic you can't see each other like super often but she's like all right it's it's like we're spending a day you're gonna watch hamilton and then i'm gonna teach you all the songs mm-hmm. so like putting that in people's homes and getting that like readily available to people i feel like was really impressive and still keeps that excitement of theater alive even like, though we can't go to the theater and really see it filming a production is not a new concept hamilton didn't invent that um mm-hmm. because there are um other productions and the two that come to mind are newsies with um the guy who plays win on supergirl oh my gosh i can't remember his name um yeah it's killing me too dang it <laughs> and um into the woods was also mm-hmm. filmed and that was an older one. Oh, peter pan is another one because I remember watching it as a young kid, watching the stage production. And then, sorry to cut you off, also like the, the straight to TV, like live productions of Rent and Sound of Music have been really yeah. popular in the past few years too. So I wasn't saying that like, you know, Hamilton was the first one to get into people's homes, but like during the pandemic specifically getting that streaming yeah. service aspect of something that was out before the pandemic, but wasn't necessarily accessible was where I was going with that. Yeah, no, and Honestly, like I know we're mainly talking about musical theater too, but there have been a few productions of, um, I think there was one of Shakespeare that they did a Hamlet via like Zoom and like recorded it and did it that way, Um, which I did not get to see it, but one of my favorite actors was in it. Um, And I think that that's a really cool way to do it too. Like it's, it's weird because you're not getting that audience participation. Um, You know, you got a screen, you just have to interact with each other. Um, But I was like, yeah, that's how you get theater back into our lives is to adapt. And theater has always been fantastic at adapting to anywhere and everything. I mean, it's only been around since ancient Greece. <laughs> yeah, but no, exactly. which just is a testament to show it has. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I remember like when people talked about Hamilton coming on movie and like uh, being a little bit worried there because it's like, oh, we can just record like shows now and like put them out. But um, I think it's also has to be with special cases where like, for instance, Hamilton did make millions of dollars on stage before they put it on here. And I think that could be a thing of the future where like a new musical or play comes up, you could actually do it on Broadway and everything for as many years as you need to be. But then you can record it and put it up once you're done going around the country and showing it. And then like everyone can see it then. Um, I want to say that. Oh, oh, uh, by the way, Jeremy Jordan is the actor. Jeremy Jordan. Thank you. Gosh, that was good. Jeremy announced the rest of the night. Jeremy Jordan. Uh, he was fantastic in Newsies and had like the accent, New York accent and everything. It's very different from Wynn, I will say, which was a very good thing to see the difference. Um, but I, I want to say that Wicked or another like really popular show was getting recorded before COVID, before the pandemic to be released as like the stage production on a streaming service. Um, but I think that might have been put on hold because of the lovely thing that is known as COVID-19 that needs to go away. So, but yeah, mm-hmm. I will say, seeing uh, uh, for Hamilton for me, um, so having seen it twice on stage, 
and getting to interact. Like we talk about how theater is so much like audience participation. It really is because I swear when they, um, when I saw Hamilton on stage, they added like an extra couple beats um, in the first song after, you know, they're like, what's your name, man? Alexander Hamilton. And then they just stopped and waited because everyone was cheering. And like, it wasn't Lin-Manuel Miranda, but like, it's so iconic now that everyone was cheering. And then um, when Lafayette turns into- Jefferson? Yeah, Jefferson. And you know, Thomas Jefferson's coming home. Um, he was up on the stairs and he was like, I can't hear you. Like, come on, cheer, cheer. And like, it was so adorable. And I told someone who was like, yeah, I'm going to go see it. I'm like, cheer for him. He wants you to cheer. Um, but then watching it on Disney plus, um, I mean, between it being the original cast, um, on Disney plus versus what I saw, like it was very much like you could tell they went through it and didn't have that pause as much. Um, and like, even when my dad and my sister and I were talking, like they, they had their own favorites for who played what character. And like, I have my favorites and no, it didn't match necessarily. But I mean, that's what we did for Les Mis too. When we saw it with the rotating stage, when they got rid of the rotating stage and added the um, screen background, and then when um, we had the Hugh Jackman and um, Russell Crowe adaptation, like, you know, my family was like, like, Russell Crowe, yeah, we love him, but he didn't have the same vibrato-ness that usually uh, Javert has. And I was mm -hmm. just, I was like, okay, but like this movie is awesome. So does it matter? <laughs> yeah, and that makes sense too. Um, so we go from this, like, with Les Mis, um, let's see, uh, all the other, like, recorded ones that we've, like, just talked about, like, pre-pandemic. Like, we, that's established as a thing. It's different than real theater, but, like, it's something that exists. Then we have, like, the uh, during-pandemic ratatouzical and, like, Hamilton-type stuff. Um, and now where do we go from here? Like, this COVID-19 is inevitably, like, changed like how we're going to consume media afterwards and then isaac i know you specifically have a background in theater so i want to know like from a production standpoint do you think anything major is going to like change or do you think we're just going to try and go back to normal um well uh i know that right now a lot of uh, uh theaters local theaters um school theaters uh university theaters are struggling uh like i um i mean already like I, I i was i worked on stage but then i also worked behind stage building sets and like the moment the pandemic hit like i was out of that job and then also my boss didn't have any work like all he did was a theater technician and so he moved to belize but um and like my theater director uh sheila she was like like i don't know it was like a big toll on her because she had all this stuff planned that she had to cancel um, but they still managed to actually get a show together that they filmed over Zoom, which I thought was really interesting. They social yeah. distance and they, they were able to do stuff on Zoom. And now um, 
I've I've listened to uh, like her talking about for like um, like what they're gonna do in the future, and like right now they have ideas for like shows that they can hopefully put out this fall that involve like uh, you know like just recording everyone individually and then like splicing them together. Um, which takes away from theater, but I mean, then again, it's still acting. Just the lack of audience is a big thing, like Hope said. Um, that really takes down, like, as an actor on stage, not having people in front of you really, uh, it definitely, like, dampens your performance. You mm-hmm. feel like you're not at your best if people aren't there to react. Acting yeah, so is unlike, reacting. Unlike a bigger scale, like post pandemic, like, everyone's vaccinated, we don't have to wear masks, we can go out in public. Do you think like Zoom theater is a viable option? Like if people are like in like living in different areas, you have filming in Vancouver for certain like for actors, you have people acting on Broadway in New York, uh, acting in Europe, but they want to get big names together. They have the money and budget to do it. Do you think like in terms of sp- like people have time, but not the space to move between, not the time to move between spaces, do you think Zoom theater is a viable option or do you think people are going to oh. want to get rid of that? I, I definitely think that it will it will still be a standing option because like I mean we went from from only people in our generation knowing really how to use video chat to literally millions and millions of people adapting and learning how to and now people that have never even like looked at a computer are like constantly zooming and doing stuff like this. Um, no, I definitely think it'll still be a thing. And especially since, like, like you, uh, I mean, like, besides podcasts, like, you can definitely do stuff like this where uh, you get actors. Like, you see um, people bring in actors as, like, the reunions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh, was it Josh Gad that did that? No. Think- yeah? I don't want to say the wrong guy. For which show? He did, like, a, like a, someone did a thing where he brought like they did like actors and like uh in movies and like brought them back together for reunions over zoom but like acting over zoom like especially like that like it's easy and you know what you're doing and you can record it and if there's really a problem you can fix it which really at what line is it acting like is it theater and not tv but still well i think the other biggest testament is the fact that we still record live shows and put it out on streaming services or dvds and stuff because like you know with hamilton if you go back to like i watched peter pan and into the woods on a vhs um and they're doing it and now they're streaming it instead like if that's still happening i i definitely think zoom is still an option i don't think it would be things like west side story or um, you know, I don't think it'll be musicals. I think it would be more just plays because recording, singing, and trying to get like the uh, in tempo and everything mm-hmm. the same is really difficult if you're trying to do it live. I mean, I know you can do like record your own piece and then send it in and then, you know, paste it together. Um but I think Zoom productions would definitely be more just regular plays. It's um, like jazz. You have to play with the other people that you're with. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Hear um, them to hear yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, know the beat and know that you're on pitch or, you know, that you're not slightly sharp while everyone else is slightly flat, you know. Um, 
just going to get really technical there. Um, You're good. <laughs> but yeah, it's. I think if we continue to record live versions to get out to mass people um, and musicals too, like we'll still have the Zoom stuff. I think because that'll give them another revenue aspect too. Because like schools could even do that type of thing. Um, my sister, my middle sister, when she was here at Central, they did a play and I can't remember what it's called. Um, she essentially had to be a mean girl. And I remember one comment was from her person that she needed to be quieter because everybody else was quiet compared to her, especially laughing. Um, but they had within that show was like different clips. So like they were on their computer like we are now and like recorded themselves saying something and then they showed that during the play but that was also part of the play but I think if we have stuff like that and then if we get writers who are willing to make like specifically zoom theater that could become its own genre too and you know because it's going to um, adapt and definitely like like you said like I it would be really hard to do I think musicals but like comedy I think oh. comedy and improv I think would thrive <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. they already thrive. And, like, it is also nice when you're doing comedy or improv to, for the audience to be there. But, like, I don't know. If you mess up or there's a technical problem, you can just play it off. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. that makes sense. Yeah. And, and then, then, like, I, I, I'm, fro you know, just doing that, that little frozen thing. Um, and then just someone going, let it go, let it go. Sorry, that just popped into my head. But, yeah. Like, I or think just, like have it have your phone ready to play like the uh, 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 like sound <laughs> yeah. so it sounds like you can't go through i know people do that in class like, when they just don't want to participate they just play that sound into their mic or um, the uh the the paper crinkling and then they're like yo we see you crinkling your paper on the screen like mm -hmm. you know and then hope really quick do you think uh your job as an usher will look different you know post vaccination post everyone can get back into the theater or do you think that like in the actual theater it's going to be that return you know we really want to return to normal we want this to look like it did before i think that it'll depend on the theater um and what they're willing to do um because a lot of it will depend on the states too like um i'm also a camp counselor and we had our counselor meeting a few weeks ago and talking about like what camp would look like because we right now are going camp is happening in person um and so like one of the things we were talking about is like are we going to need social distance you know our kiddos in our cabins um and therefore use more cabins and also limit the number of kids that we can have um so that might be a thing that um like they might be like, oh, well, we might still want to have like a little bit extra space. So maybe they don't technically, they technically like sell out the theater, but then there's seats. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I mean, if we're talking about getting back to the new normal, um, not the old normal, because, you know, we need to change how we do things so we can get back to normal. Um, but honestly, like I said, my job is usually like standing still the most interaction I really have with people is like taking their tickets from them and then handing them a playbill um, if they want it and their tickets back. And that's about all that interaction really. I mean, it's not like six foot distance, but it's relatively nice. safe. So. so, I mean, pr probably like, you know, once we don't have to wear masks and everything, like it's, it's going to probably look pretty close to yes. what it did before. Obviously like there'll be shockwaves oh, and changes, but. 
And then um, as much as the pandemic has kind of put like a halt on theater, that doesn't mean we don't have anything to look forward to. Um, I know, Hope, you have a couple things that uh, are on your radar, specifically within the theater community. You want to uh, mention uh, those? Yeah. So uh, if there are any teachers out there of any kind, because you can always suggest this to your theater teachers, um, the Lightning Thief is available for, as Isaac holds up his book, the Lightning Thief musical is available for uh, rent um, for so that high schools can put on the production. And uh, I don't remember what company it's through. Um, and I'm sure, you know, it'll be a little pricey because it is technically still Disney and everything. Um, but if you have a school that's like, they don't really, you don't really have students that audition. Percy Jackson, I'm trying to remember, was like maybe 10 people in the entire cast because you had people playing different roles like... Um, Grover also played uh, Mr. D and um, yeah, he played Dionysus too. Interesting. And uh, Chiron played uh, Poseidon, I believe as well. Um, Daddy so, figures. Yeah. Um, but so like, you know, if you've got people that are willing, I mean, that was kind of with Hamilton too. Like if you've got cast who can, who doesn't have that many lines, or is only in like this section, you might as well use them for the other section too. Like, you know, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so Percy Jackson, the musical is phenomenal. Um, definitely kid-friendly. Uh, the adults in my family were not a fan of it. I loved it. Other people, because the inner child in me, I was like, yes. Um, but other adults that were a little more serious of like, so they use, just a warning, they use leaf blowers and toilet paper to, uh, show water like that's the water mm. my dad after we saw it was like what was the point of the leaf blowers and toilet paper and we we're all like dad it was supposed to signify the water that you know was happening and he was like oh so you know it is that it's whole different system. yeah and you know it was a low budget thing because it was mm -hmm. off broadway i think it was technically off off broadway at one point too um it was low budget and the stage remained the same the entire time like rent um or hamilton so you know and then you mentioned something too about into the woods uh, i don't know if that's directly with theater or if we're getting an into the woods show right no. you mentioned this to me outside of this i think did i mention into the woods i don't i don't think i remember into the woods Hmm. I don't think there maybe was. I am, maybe I am misremembering. I know we were talking about like theater-related productions because we have a uh, wick. We have the Wicked um, yes. movie, movie coming out, coming out. Um, and then we have a couple other adaptations of theatrical oh. productions in the works. But those are things to look forward to as you know yes. the pandemic starts to as we are comfortably in what we hope is the second half. Oh, in the heights. In the, yeah. in, the in the heights. In the heights. My bad. In the heights. Like the woods. Yes. yes. So in the heights, uh, was it was at at a adapted to movie version. Um, one of Lin Manuel Miranda's original plays, um, and it was adapted to movie. And it was supposed to come out last year. And pandemic, they were like, no, we want to wait and like see if we can't get more people for like red carpet and everything. So they pushed it to this year. 
So I'm not sure when. I don't think they've set a date for it yet, but that is something to look forward to. Um, the other thing is Disney Plus also added the Rodgers and Hammerstein version of Cinderella um, onto Disney Plus, and it is a movie, but it's like the music is more like the musical Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Um, and Whoopi Goldberg is in it uh, as the queen. Uh, you've got Whitney Houston is the fairy godmother. And honestly, it is hilarious. I showed it to my roommate the other night and she was like, I asked her at the end, I was like, how did you like it? She was like, it was really cool. Like, it's not what I expected, but it was really cool. Um, so yeah. Christopher Rupert. Yeah, I played, I played, uh, that was my senior musical. We did Rodgers and Hammerstein. My senior musical, I think, was West Side Story, which made me really happy to go out on because I was in the pit and it's like my dream to play West Side Story and I got to play it. Um, Speaking of In the Heights, though, it's going to be featuring uh, Anthony Ramos, Mm -hmm. Ramos, who played John Lawrence on Hamilton and everyone loves him. He also played um, the main character, U.S. Navi, in the on broad on broadway production of in the heights after lin-manuel miranda originally played u.s navi um and that was also one i got to see in detroit and that one was really cool and i'm really excited that it's coming back um fun fact the guy who played george washington mm-hmm. in hamilton was also in the theater production of in the heights and that's where he met his wife um and he is also on the show Bull, and his name is Chunk, and he is amazing on there too. And they had like a musical episode where he sang, and I was like, oh my gosh, your voice is so beautiful. Yeah, um, that's uh, Chris Jackson, Christopher Jackson. Yes, and he and Hamilton, Hamilton told him, no matter like what uh, production I do, you will <laughs> always have a job. And yes. that even goes to show when Lynn Manuel. Miranda did, uh, did I say Lynn Hamilton, whatever, uh, <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda, he, um, he did the music for Moana. Mm-hmm. Chris Jackson, Jackson did the singing voice for Moana's dad. Like yes. even there, what a guy. He's got a beautiful voice. Like that's my president. Phenomenal. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. Which like, I'll say for the movie version, I really liked when they had, the camera at the back when after he's saying one last time and he's walking off and I was just like I wish we could have that like scene on stage too like that just goes to show you that sometimes you need film just to pull out that extra part because like even with the movie like Les Mis um when they showed just like the students the college students rebels uh being surrounded by the army like that was just because you know the camera just zooms out and shows the army surrounding them like that was like oh my there's God. a different level of perspective taking from a film than there is theater so they each have their strengths but they also like and they complement each other mm-hmm. conversely so well as always here on rating geeks we like to end our episodes with some uh, general recommendations for our viewers whether that be movies video games comics or anything else geeky um so Hosts, do you have anything you want to recommend for us today? Uh, well, I recommend that people go to Disney Plus if you have that streaming service and go watch Rodgers and Hammerstein's 
uh, Hammerstein's uh, Cinderella because it is beautiful. Um, also, Newsies is fantastic. And uh, because we are also ending Black with Black History Month um, with this episode, uh, I would also like to suggest reading and or watching uh, The Hate You Give or any books by Angie Thomas, um, as well as the crossover, um, which I can't remember who the author is, and I know I'll butcher it, and I don't want to butcher it, um, but it's written in prose, so like the chapters are all like poetry form, and so it's a quick read, even though it seems like it would be more, um, but it, those are all really good ones that I suggest. Nice. Isaac, do you have any suggestions? Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, my girlfriend and I were going to watch some more Gilmore Girls on Netflix, as is tradition. <laughs> uh, but her mother, who shares the account, was watching it, and uh, we only have that one screen oh, no. uh, deal. Uh, so we had to go over to Hulu instead. And um, we decided to uh, take a dip into the new show, The Great North, uh, which is made by the people that made Bob's Burgers. Uh, and it features a family that lives in Alaska, uh, the father being uh, Beef Tobin, played by Nick Offerman. Uh, he's essentially <laughs> just Ron Swanson. Um, and so that's great. Uh, featuring uh, a voice cast, in, including Jenny Slate, Will Forte, uh, along with many others. Um, and we watched the first episode, and it was pretty funny. And so I'm sure if you liked... Uh, uh, I guess that I can segue that into uh, Bob's Burgers after, you know, they also made another show called Central Park, which was only on one certain streaming. I don't remember right now, but that, that comedy central. I'm, maybe, but I don't know what streaming service it was that we had to get to. I think CBS all access. I could be wrong, yeah. but it's going to be Paramount plus, I think in March. Um, and that was also a musical. It was a show. Central Park was a musical. And it featured the voices of many characters from Hamilton, including uh, Leslie uh, Autumn Jr. and my boy, uh, Devad Diggs. So nice. Okay. Watch anything, I guess, made by Bob's Burgers people. W. Diggs in the new Sesame Street Grubhub or DoorDash or whatever commercials is absolutely adorable. Just saying. <laughs> nice. All right. I guess that leaves me. Um, right before we started filming this podcast, I actually had the opportunity to uh, listen to a famous graphic novelist, I guess is how you might describe them. Uh, Art Spiegelman was actually speaking, um, uh, not on campus, not physically on campus, but like to central Michigan students um, about his work, um, Mouse, M-A-U-S is how you pronounce it, um, which is like a, a comic book about the, like his father's story of living through a concentration camp in the Holocaust. Um, and so it was one really cool to hear him speak. So I really want to recommend Mouse or, um, and if you really get into that, uh, the book Meta Mouse, which like answers all the general questions that people have about the, about the uh, graphic novel. But specifically, it's really relevant to our like our time period um and like this past year of 2020 specifically like with the black lives matter movement everything going on uh with like the election and everything so this uh misinformation and rise of big lies is uh something that gets explored and people having to like hide their true identity um which i thought is really topical and uh, really interesting to explore and if anyone's um, worried 
about the characters in Mouse as well. It's uh, cats are the Nazis. Oh yeah, and, everyone is every yeah. like group of people is like portrayed as different uh, different animals. So mice are the Jews, cats are the Nazis, pigs are the Polish. Uh, I think the British are fish. Um, yeah, so it, it's like I think it's like one page that like there's British people and they're fish. Um, also, uh, related to Black History Month, that we are uh, rounding up the month, so I'd like to give um, a recommendation. Uh, as most of you know, Congressman John Lewis passed away this past summer, but he wrote a comic book or a comic book series or a graphic novel series about his time in the civil rights movement. And it's like fascinating. Like it's really cool like to hear his perspective specifically, but presented in a comic book form. Um, and the series is called March. So I highly recommend that but, uh, written by John Lewis. Uh, someone else illustrated it. I'm blanking on the name right now, but um, I read that over the summer. That was really impressive. Um, and then just on like kind of a dumb thing, um, if any of you have ever heard of this thing called Backstroke of the West, it's a YouTube video where they translated Revenge of the Sith into Mandarin and then mm. translated it back to English and then dubbed that script over the original movie. So... That's why it's called Backstroke of the West, because if you translate Revenge of the Sith into Mandarin, then translate it back, it turns into Backstroke of the West. So that's on YouTube. And if you're looking for, like, a dumb way to waste three hours, go for it. It's three hours? It's the same length as Revenge of the Sith. Oh. Revenge of the Sith isn't, isn't three hours. Um, the good version of Revenge of the Sith is three hours, but they cut in the work <laughs> of... Um, Clone Wars into the movie and that is three hours long um, but Backstroke of the West um, it's it's so done but there's so many like fun things to quote from it so highly recommend. Alrighty well that is all we have for you today uh, thank you everyone for joining us uh, for Raving Geeks this week make sure you leave a comment wherever you're listening from uh, we'd love to hear all of your thoughts we talked about a lot today uh, my Scorsese rant we talked about WandaVision theories um, the past, present, and future of uh, musicals and musical theater, um, and then all of our recommendations. So we'd love to hear from you. Um, and uh, feel free to reach out to us on social media, uh, on Facebook or Twitter, at Raving Geeks, and our brand new TikTok account. Still haven't posted one yet, but we're getting on, on it. it. We, we need a good inaugural TikTok before we can start, like, presenting them, you know, on a more daily basis. So, as always, I've been Brendan Valentine, along with... Hope Goodrow. Isaac Hunter. Thank you very much for joining us and stay geeky and have a great week, everyone. <laughs>